fish on. Hey, Radcast is on. Hunting, fishing, and everything in between. This is Radcast Outdoors. From the Porter's 10Cast Studio, here are David Merrill and Patrick Edwards. Welcome to another episode of Radcast Outdoors. I'm Patrick Edwards. And I'm alive. I'm David Merrill. <laughs> David, you survived a trip all the way north, just about to the North Pole, going after doll sheep. I'm impressed, man. It's good to have you back. You know, that part of the reason of going is the uh, allure of whether you're going to survive or not. <laughs> Did you get that sinking feeling when the plane took off and left you there? Well, this time we uh, we 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 had a little more gear preparedness, and I wasn't solo, <laughs> so not nearly as much. No, no, it's good. It's good to have David back. Uh, a lot of you know if you've been listening to the previous episodes that David took a long trip and ditched us all and went way up north in search of doll sheep. Um, so we're going to talk about that a little bit today and, and catch up a little bit. And just wanted to say, sorry, everybody, we've, we've been a little bit busy this fall between hunting and fishing. So we've had a little gap on our episodes, but we're, we're ready to get right back to it, huh? Well, if you're jonesing for more Radcast, you know, on the website, you can go back and listen to some previous episodes. We do have some recipes, some tips, some some imagery on there, so you can see what Patrick and I actually look like. Yeah, it's uh, it's been a bit. It's been too long, and we will definitely get some good content out to you, starting with today. I mean, uh, doll sheep, that's, that's a prized hunt that a lot of people wish they could go on and would love to go on and you got to go on to another one so tell everybody you know kind of where you went and what the idea was behind the hunt and how how it all went down so there's five major mountain ranges in alaska and all of them house doll sheep that's the only sheep species in alaska there's no big bighorn sheep no rocky mountain bighorn if you're going to go to alaska and you're going to hunt sheep you're going to be hunting doll sheep and in my mind for some reason the Brooks Range just is kind of the pinnacle of that. And part of the reason the Brooks Range is so alluring to me is, I mean, we spent, I mean, we can go detail by detail by detail, but basically from little old Riverton, Wyoming to Fairbanks, Alaska is a kind of a two-day travel, you know. you. <laughs> <laughs> what, it's not just like a quick up and back kind of thing? <laughs> no, I mean, there's no direct flight from Riverton no. to Fairbanks. and you know, so, to, so where all did you end up flying to? So you went to Denver, I'm assuming, and then... Yep, went to Denver, flew into Portland. In Portland, went to Seattle, and Seattle went to Fairbanks. Wow. Several, several plane trips. Um, this one was kind of a special trip, and it's going to be pretty exciting in the fact that we filmed the whole thing. Yeah, I'm excited about that. So that's going to be coming out. Oh, Bo Spider will be, you know, kind of hosting, produ- producing, and, and airing that content sometime in January. I'm super stoked because we got it on film and we got to go do that. And that's kind of been a dream of mine is to film a hunt. And I've tried over the last few years as a novice, and there's a lot to be done. And if you're trying to self-film, it's 10x harder. You know, there's a guy out there, Remy Warren, solo hunter, that solo films all his stuff and when you start really looking at it and breaking it down if you watch him hiking through a saddle that means he hiked up in the saddle put the camera up hiked back hiked through and then walked back and got the camera again and left i mean that's it's a lot of walking chunkier day just to get that one shot of a solo guy walking through so i my hats off and kudos to those guys they produce some great stuff but back to the trip of you know just (laughs) just getting to alaska from from my house to where we started hiking was three full days of travel. And what makes it such a, you know, we got into Fairbanks mid-afternoon. Well, 
from Fairbanks to the Brooks Range is eight hour drive. I mean that's man. And there's once you go north on the the highway there, there's <laughs> there, there's not a whole lot of civilization. You know when you hit Yukon Crossing, and then um, one of my favorite places in the world is Camp Coldfoot. We went in there on the way up. We stopped in uh, about one o'clock in the morning. It was still daylight, by the way. We pulled in and had cheeseburgers at one thirty a.m. because well, we were hungry and we knew that the next spot was going to be pull over, get out in the bush, and not be seen for a while. And that last cheeseburger is is something to behold because <laughs> it might be your last one. It could be. So, what all did you have to take up there to be prepared? And you know, what kind of gear are we talking about? So everyone's a little different, and sheep gear especially is super technical, super lightweight stuff, right? Because sheep country, it's not a an antelope hunt or an elk hunt where you're, even an elk hunt, you know, can be as physically demanding as you make it. Well, sheep hunting, there is just a bar. There's a, there's a level to entry, and you have to go there, and, you know, you got to go there with your camp on your back. You know, number one is great boots, period. Uh, you need a, a good backpack, and by good, I mean it's got to, it's got to be A, comfortable, but B, sizable enough that, because I like to joke, sheep hunters go in heavy and come out heavier. That's just a fact. You know, on, on a typical elk hunt, I run around at 30-pound pack all day long. Some extra food, some extra clothes, maybe a little bit of optics and a knife. On a sheep hunt, I have my full backpacking camp, plus big optics, because you're glassing miles and miles and trying to look in nooks and crannies. So I took a maven's new spotter and that was it was worth every pound now it's heavy right i mean their spotters pushing with the tripod and and the cover and everything you're you're a little over four pounds for but it's worth it oh it's you you (laughs) you know (laughs) if you're looking at a ram two drainages away and you're on the fence about whether he's legal or not instead of spending the day to hike over there and see if you've got great optics you can you can pretty well tell yeah that's one we need to go verify is illegal or not or no he's he's sub from you know you can do that from almost a mile especially early mornings late evenings when you have no heat waves and you can utilize those optics to their full potential so that's you know you you start looking at all the gear and that's that's one thing sheep hunters are gear junkies right it's always trying to get the newest lightest greatest what can i go without how minimalistic can i go but at the same point in time i won't go without a personal locator beacon I won't go without pretty sizable first aid kit. You know, even you start getting blisters on your hands and feet, you're, you got hiking poles in your hand all day and you're on your feet moving 12 to 14 hours a day easy. So, I mean, the very first day we started it, we slept in the truck, one, one o'clock, we had our cheeseburgers, two, two something, we were at our, our spot, sleeping in the truck, waiting to get go in. Mm-hmm. We started going in, we got in at eight, nine in the morning, and then we started hiking, and it was, we hiked till pretty much dark that night, I mean, evening, it was nine, ten o'clock, 12 hours on your feet moving, and I didn't have exact poundage with water and food, but somewhere in the 60 pound range was my pack for probably 65 to 70 pounds with, I know my food, I had uh, right at two pounds a day times 10 days. So I had 20 pounds of food, you know, you throw the spotter in there and I've got all lightweight, 
you know, there's a couple sleeping pads, sleeping bag. I, I got a Mountain Mafia down bag this time. Last time I had a uh, synthetic bag and uh, synthetic bag was rated to 30 degrees. The down bag was rated to 20 and that extra 10 degrees is is nice. Well, yeah, you want to sleep comfortably after you've just pounded yourself, you know, hiking around on all that stuff. So I'm sure it was nice having the warmth when you were sleeping at night. So the one guy had a Fitbit and we were ranging in, you know, the seven, 8,000 calories burned a day. I had right at 2,500 calories in that two pounds. So that's, that's the other thing you've got to really look at is if you start <laughs> going heavy on your food, so you got extra calories, well, you're burning extra calories to carry that extra food. And, you know, an extra pound of food a day doesn't sound like much, but throw 10 extra pounds in your backpack. Go from 68, 67 pounds to 78, 77 pounds. You know, that, that's a big difference. And so, but thankfully, you know, towards the end, we got we got lighter on food. So you can, it, it gets much nicer when you start <laughs> And we did a few days where we just kind of spike camped out where, I mean, we spike camped out every night, but what we did instead of, usually we were moving with camp on our back, right? So you get up in the morning, you stow all your gear, put it all back in your pack, and you start covering country again. When we finally got into a place where we had quite a few sheep around us and different nooks and crannies to look at, so we'd start doing some basically day hunts. Leave the majority of the food, leave the majority of camp, take some extra close a, a small tarp and look the optics and go go for a six-hour hike instead of a 12-hour hike and you know go three hours one way glass for a couple hours and come the three hours back so it's it's a lot of time on your feet and gear is the the better the gear you get kind of the more comfortable you are for sure i mean those guys that hunted sheep in the late 60s early 70s and there's there's a few of them, Jack O'Connor, you know, there's some others. I mean, they were going up there with military-style canvas, hard, just pack boards with wool clothes and four-power fixed optics rifles that were maybe shooting <laughs> 300 yards. I mean, yeah. the the gear has come, you know, just look at carbon fiber and aluminum that we have now versus canvas and wood. Yeah, everything's a lot lighter than it used to be, and those guys were super tough i think they were just tougher i mean stuff's lighter now but those guys had to just been (laughs) i i think they're tougher than i am yeah they definitely make us look like pansies nowadays but yeah tell me about how the how many days did you end up being there so we hunted for 10 full days i think it was day 11 we got out pretty early in the morning but you know i had three full days of travel to get up there had almost three three days of travel we we piled around for one day because uh Long story short, I, I got my days mixed up and I showed up to the airport six hours late for my flight. Oops. Because I thought I was 12 hours early for my flight. My dad dropped us off and I was like, yeah, we'll just hang out at the airport. You can get headed home. And because he lives in southern Alaska and we're in northern. But since I thought we had that extra day after we got out, I was like, hey, let's let's run up the hall road the rest of the way. We went all the way up to the North Slope and they call it the North Slope because the north side of the Brooks Range Mountain, and it slopes all the way to the Arctic Ocean, the Bering Sea. And so we drove a couple more hours north to where fuel was getting. We had a couple of five-gallon cans in the back of the vehicle, but still, fuel was getting kind of critical. We, we'd filled up at Coldfoot, but still, it's we, we kind of had a, <laughs> a definite return point right at half tank, and we still had five extra gallons in the back. I don't want to run out of fuel no. hundreds of miles from anywhere. <laughs> Especially up there. Yeah. Um, so I did get a chance at a caribou. Uh, didn't quite get it done. And if you, <laughs> uh, it, it's crazy as we're driving along and we just happened to catch 
the caribou they were migrating across the road so they're right there and we made some couple hundred yard stocks out in that muskeg and i mean you're sinking to your knees sometimes and it's easier to crawl on it than it is walk actually because you're dispersing your weight and you're not sinking in as much and uh we, i put a caribou shed on my head and started bobbing like and they came right up to me huh. they're, they're not very wary but they still was it was about a 48 yard shot and i just i pulled up and shot and missed yeah that's a bummer well, we found out later I was using my dad's bow and it had a cracked limb. It really cracked. I'm surprised it didn't like blow up on me. So I'm wondering if that was a part of the reason. And you know, sheep hunting is tough on equipment from breaking and bending hiking poles to just shredding tents and rain pants and it's it's not easy on your gear and it's it's a little bit tough when you're spending that kind of money on gear and you come back and you got it shredded and it broken, but a couple of places we went People are just not designed to go. Two legs are not, not what, <laughs> what work well. So, you know, every day we'd, we had a pretty good routine of get up and it was a mountain house breakfast, sometimes oatmeal. Midday I had jerky and lots of Snickers, the mini fun size Snickers. Those are so good. So a little bit of trail mix. I uh, found a new product this year, uh, Boyke's, and it's Biltong. It's air dried beef instead of jerky where it's conventionally dried and it's got twice as much protein per weight so that was that was pretty good and i found out that if you put that in the uh, scrambled eggs in the morning it will rehydrate and you know you can almost pretend it's bacon yeah so that sounds pretty good it was pretty good and then you know i i'd usually put my lunches in a couple cliff bars and some other stuff but again you want to be in that two to two and a half pounds and 2,500 to 3,000 calories. And the other thing I do, it's a little tech trip. I pack the mini Idaho instant potato packs Mm -hmm. and I pack a cube of butter and I take and slice that butter up. You know, I actually had two cubes and sliced it up into 10 slices. But in the evenings, I'd throw two or three heaping scoops of mashed potatoes on top of my mountain house and then throw that cube of butter with a little bit of salt and pepper like you can get from McDonald's, those mini packets. Mm -hmm. That... Now you got like mashed potatoes on top of beef stroganoff and it's pretty dang good. And I do not like the runny mountain house at all. If you put the recommended amount of water in a mountain house, you got to cut it down. Yeah, It's soup. Yeah. And that's, that's always a sad thing when you get in, you're expecting this meal. It's just soup. So peak refuel came out this year with some really good fuel. I yeah, I used some of those for my Wind River trip for the fishing trip I went on, and I really like the chicken Alfredo. That one's really good. Yeah, I had a I had two of those for the for the ten days, and I just I normally buy a whole case of Mountain Houses and just. Mm-hmm. But the one I did find with Mountain Houses, they have a uh, freeze dried ice cream bars. They taste you know, they're dry. Yeah, but <laughs> they've been dried. But you know they they taste right. So. Not bad, huh? That, that was a, I had a, like three of those and that was a pretty special treat to, oh, look, here's a ice cream <laughs> bar out here in the middle of nowhere. But we started, like I said, the first day, it never really got dark. Didn't have to turn the headlights on driving. By the last day, we had two hours of darkness. It's crazy how fast it changes this time of year and how everything's changing. But tell us, tell us the story about the actual harvest and kind of what led up to that and how the day went. You know, my, my dad was pretty beat. The cameraman was, he's keeping up, but we were all, you know, it was day eight and we're dismayed. We'd heard a rifle shot a day earlier. And then on the way in hiking, we seen another group of hiking out the same drainage we were hiking up. 
with a with a ram. So that's a little bit of a gut punch. You're you're now cornered into this drainage. This is your drainage. Either there's sheep here, then there's not. And you spend you know that much time getting flown in and hiking up, and it's not like you're just going to abandon and oh let's go pick a whole new area. No, I think we ended up doing fifty miles on our feet. Oof. You know, and not one of those miles was on a trail. There is no trails. You know, we were we were definitely in the doldrums. It had been day one, see a, a, a really nice ram going the wrong direction on somebody else's backpack. And then, you know, that was day six, seven in the evening. We heard a rifle shot in a drainage that we were going to go start looking at. And we'd been looking at, I mean, we'd seen sheep. We'd had lots of sheep close, but nothing legal. No big rams. And in Alaska, what they do is instead of doing like a limited entry draw where when you get the tag you can shoot any ram to uh, keep their population up and their harvest limits low, they make you shoot a full curl ram to, to be legal. Now, it has to be a certain age, but we'll just make it simple for this conversation of the ram has to make a 360-degree circumference with its horns. So you have to be able to verify with a spotting scope before you harvest something that it passes that threshold. And uh, I spent some time the last on the last sheep hunt and this sheep hunt looking at pictures of rams online and different angles, and that really helps in the stick test, and it's pretty simple. You just take an imaginary stick, a willow, a, a, a ruler, a yardstick, whatever, piece of rebar, and you lay it across both eyes of the bridge of the nose if they're looking straight on at you. And then you just look at the horns. Do they come up through that plane? You can make an imaginary left or right plane. And you can look at the horns and go, yes or no. Mm-hmm. So we, uh, we'd heard that shot. I'd looked at a lot of rams, nothing legal, a whole bunch of half curls. We'd had some, we got some awesome footage of some rams really close. And we've got to watch them. And it, I mean, that's part of the allure of sheep hunting is, just spending days, I mean, we're, we were camped at, the Brooks Range maxes out right at 6,000, and we were camped at 55, 58. You know, there's a lot of times we'd get up from camp, walk over to the precipice and look below us in the basin, and there were sheep down 500 yards below us. So that's awesome to get up, hike five minutes or two minutes from your tent and go, oh, look, there's sheep right there. But they weren't legal. So that... We had that rifle shot, uh, kind of like, that's not good. That's the drainage we're going to go hunt the next three days. So now we're going to kind of stay here because now we know there's sheep hunters. Because we'd kind of hiked completely through our area and it started hiking into the next drainage, which was still legal country for us. But, you know, as the plane, we'd hiked up and over and into where other planes can bring other sheep hunters and they could hike back up to the mountain from the other side so we'd heard that rifle shot and it was it was a distance it was a mile or so away but i was like well we're not going to go hunt that basin that i wanted to because it came right from the general direction of that basin that we'd hunted three years previous so you know the next morning i said well we'll just get up and look and i found one ram over a mile away that's odd usually you know those rams are in in a, a group and it's a little bit later when you get to where they're breeding and they're they're fighting right now they're kind of in their their summer routine of just bachelors and then you've got lambs and and used doing kind of what i call the nursery groups but usually you get a couple rams banded together and they hang out and so that one ram and he was in a just a horrible spot I mean, he, he had cliffs below him, cliffs above him. Now, for him, he was in a wonderful spot. He had one little basin, food and water, and he, you know, he didn't need to leave ever. And I glassed him and glassed him and glassed him, and we finally decided that he was, at a mile and a half, I decided that 
you know, he, he, he turned a couple times and looked straight at us, basically. And I was pretty sure I could see something coming up through that plane, a flash of horn. I was like, I think he's, he's either really good or I'm seeing an optical illusion. That was oh, morning of day eight. And we hiked, pulled all the camp and hiked the mile closer by evening of day eight. We were there. Morning of day nine, we we got up. He was in the bedded in the same spot looking down. And now we were a quarter mile away from him instead of a little over a mile. And I could tell that he was <laughs> he was good. So we made a plan, made a stock, and it was grueling and brutal. And we had lost all that elevation. We'd lost Oh, a little over 2,000 feet of elevation in a mile. So, And he was <laughs> a quarter mile away at that same elevation. So now we had to gain 2,500 feet of elevation in a quarter mile. So you, that, that tells you how steep the terrain yeah, was. That's, that's really steep. But we're sitting there watching him, glassing him, and there's a whole bunch of, there's a whole nursery group 1,000 feet or so below him on this big bench. And kind of had to bust them out of the way and we we got in close and made 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 something happen and it was it was pretty sweet i mean the ram ended up being he's a he's 37 around the curl and that's you know 40 is 40 inches is is all time that's a that's a big ram so he's he's a couple inches past full curl on both sides he's got that really cool doll sheep kind of do this flare out when they start to get past full curl they they have just this flare out. So he's just got this iconic big doll sheep ram horns. And after the stock and the hunt and after having eight full days of not even seeing a legal ram and hearing shots and seeing other rams out there. And now, three years ago when I went, I spent three days in the tent with my dad. You know, he had his one-man tent. I had mine. And it was rain, fog, snow, sleet. And you can't – the only thing you're going to – be successful in doing if if you're walking around in 100 yard visibility thick fog is bust rams because they're laying down there at 250 300 and they can see you you can't pick out a white ram in gray (laughs) fog you just they they get up and slowly walk away from you for whatever reason this year we had bluebird sun beautiful sky the whole time we got the ram it was a heck of a shot it's all on film so it's going to be it's going to be epic to watch, but it took us two days to hike that ram from where he was out. So you talked about carrying the gear in, and then when you harvest something, you got to carry it back out. So I'm sure that was a bit of a challenge. So I can go downhill with a, a significant amount of weight, and every pack manufacturer out there likes to brag about how much weight their backpack will hold. And I'll tell you, once you get into triple digits, no backpack is comfortable. None. Now, some <laughs> handle it better than others. What I mean by that is, I mean, my go-to pack is the, uh, it's a, almost an 8,000 cubic inch Dana Designs Astroplane. It, it looks like a black bear when it's loaded and on top of me. <laughs> <laughs> I got a black bear getting a piggyback ride. But you want that load, if you start making it wide, it starts to rock back and forth with every step. And it's just, it's like somebody's behind you jerking you left, jerking you right tears up your back too and you know if you're hiking around the track at the soccer field yeah no big deal there's no trails here we're on either shale or down in the willows and rocks and creeks and there's the only place you'll find trails is right on the crest of the ridge you'll find some you know they look like little deer trails or sheep trails but they're and they're well worn but so having a backpack that can handle something like that and it was enough weight with my camp and my gear and, you know, a third of a sheep that I couldn't go uphill. 
it, it was easily 100 pounds, if, if not 110, 120. And so what I ended up doing is I put all my camp in a big lightweight game bag, stuffed it all in there. I'd slide it inside my backpack and I'd hike for about a mile up uphill just because we dropped over the mountain. And, you know, if we'd stayed on our side where we got dropped off, we could have just harvested the sheep and hiked down and got out. But because we'd gone up and over and down a mountain and then started climbing the next one. We had to do that to get back out. And so, you know, that that brutal pull of 2,000 feet back up over the, the side to get to where we had to still hike. And we ended up, I think, from our entrance point, we were 14 miles in. So it wasn't like a half mile and, and up and over a mountain range. You know, we spent the better part of a day leapfrogging our gear. I'd haul my camp, pull it out, go back, get the sheep, and haul it. I would leave the camp laying there. I'd hike a mile past the camp, drop my meat, go back and get my camp. And we did that for the better part of a day till we got to the top of the ridge. And then I was like, forget this. And it got a lot steeper. So I threw everything in the backpack and down and out we went. And that took halfway out, spent the night, and then we got the rest of the way out the next day. I bet you were feeling it after that. Well, I... I went into season almost 190. I was getting a little fat, Patrick. <laughs> I'm 169 pounds at the moment. <laughs> so doll sheep hunting and elk hunting trimmed you down a little bit. <laughs> and, and I have this problem where I'm eating everything in sight. So <laughs> <laughs> cookies, cake. So you're saying I need to bring you more smoked fish? Yes, yeah, second, second helpings <laughs> of everything. Just just because you have to go into starvation mode. I mean, you yeah. you have to. You're you're, well, you're burning. Your burn rate's way higher than what you're taking in. Yeah, way higher. You get to the point where food isn't even appetizing. You just you go past being hungry so many times, and you you drink the water. And I I mean, it's amazing how much water you go through and how heavy water is. Oh man, our last campsite. You know, we had a, oh, a little snow melt field right below us, and we had water 50 yards from camp. Three days later, we had water 500 yards from camp, and 500 yards downhill. <laughs> We're going through, each person's going through a little over a gallon of water a day between cooking your meals and drinking. So, you know, when you're like, hey, let's go get, and everybody had extra bladders, so let's go get a day and a half worth of water. You know, you're talking, talking almost six gallons of water. That stuff's heavy. Yeah, it's not fun packing water. And when it's close, when it was 50 yards from camp, not a big deal. I'll just go down and get 32 ounces and come back. Well, when it's 500 or 1,000 yard hike, uh, I'll take a backpack and get all of it. So you're, you're not you're not wasting water for sure. But what I get that is most evenings you eat your mountain house and there's a lot of evenings or a lot of afternoons. I just I sit down, drink a bunch of water and I, I mean, I'll eat a small Snickers bar or a little bit of beef jerky or trails mix and you're... You just, until you've done that, put that kind of physical exertion out, you, you don't understand that just, you're not hungry. Yeah, it just wears you out. All you want to do is just not be carrying something at that time. <laughs> but you you kind of find your body day three and four starts to rebound. You know, day day two, you're sore. Oh, man. You're, you're like, you wake up day two, you're like, what, what did I sign up for? Day three, you, you just get up, grin, bear it, put the pack on and start going. But by day four and five, you start to, your body starts to go, okay, this is going to be the routine. And you, conditioning before you go is, <laughs> you know, the, the better shape you can leave on a sheep hunt. I mean, there, there's a there's a whole movement called sheep shape. And it's, you know, it, it's not an easy trip. It's not, the, the country's not forgiving. And it's something you work so hard at that you're like, 
I deserve this, right? Now that's not that's not what you get on a sheep hunt. And we've we've had several unsuccessful trips, and by unsuccessful I mean they we didn't harvest a ram, right? But just getting to see the sunset in the Brooks Range, if you have I mean, we were two hundred miles north of the Arctic Circle. Now, because it was light twenty two hours a day, we didn't get to see the uh, Aurora Borealis, but I have seen it before. You know, just going up there, just doing a haul road, we, we got to stop and fish for a grayling, caught a few. It's pretty neat that a lot of places we hiked, you truly get the feeling that you're the first person to have ever been there. There's no signs, there's no trail maps, there's no boardwalks or, or picnic benches. It's raw and it's real and it's tough and it's rugged. Yeah, well, I'm looking forward to the film. I think it's going to be really cool to see where you guys went, what you did. One thing we will definitely do for the show notes for this show is get some of those pictures from you because I saw some of those with the sunsets and, uh, of course, with the Ram, too. But, I mean, it's just such pretty country. Share that out with everybody. It's amazing. I mean, the gear stuff, we could go for five hours on gear, but... Like I said, quality boots, quality optics, quality pack, good a good camp that you're not at, at least have spent a night or two in the tent and make sure you've used the piece of gear. Just buying a get getting a Cabela's catalog and just ordering a bunch of stuff saying, Oh, this is what I'm take sheep hunting. Not a good idea. Take it on a weekend camping trip with the family and, and test it out and go, Do I really like this piece of gear enough that, you know, serves dual function? Perfect. I mean my stove, the Optimus Crux that I have, it has a pot and a lid. It's kind of like a jet boil where it has fins, so it's very efficient, but I can fry ptarmigan breasts in it. I can, I use the pot to do my hot cocoa and my oatmeal in, and it all is self-contained, so Leatherman, great idea. You've got a knife, you've got a file, you've got pliers, an extra pair of boot laces. You break a boot lace, and you don't need two of them, just an extra loose. I take some paracord, and I'm like, I'll just tie my, I'm running uh, the Scarpa. I've got the Wrangle GTXs. I bought that pair of boots for my very first sheep hunt and i've had them nine years now and i'm hard on them now they're to the point where there's not much soul left on them and they're no longer waterproof i found that out (laughs) (laughs) they were waterproof when we left but they're no longer waterproof so a a pair of boots that you're not going to get blisters in i actually got a a custom pair of orthotics from a company called sheep feet and that was that was interesting they they you know i've not had a ton of feet problem but i've had a little bit of blistering here and here and a lot of it is just my feet get too hot. If it's a if it's a relatively warm day in those boots, that just and so I'll start the whole bottoms of my feet basically turn into a heat blister. It's not an actual blister, but they're they're tender, just moisture and heat and that kind of hiking. But quality pair of boots, all, you really need quality gear. You need to get in shape, but at the same point in time, you need to look at it. It's still a hunt, and you're you may come home unsuccessful. But the cool part of sheep hunting, at least for me, is the spotting, the glassing, the watching the sheep interact. And you can sheep will tell you when there's another sheep around, right? Though they have some body language that's different. If they're by themselves, they do a little different. It's cadence. It's they're feeding their self-preservation as far as what they're watching. You know, they you know, if you watch a lot of time, we watch a couple small bands. Almost all the time, there's one watching. Right, there'll be three or four eating, and one will just be sitting there watching. And then the one that's watching will start to eat. So one of the three or four that we're eating will sit there and start watching. It's kind of cool. And if they spot something, all of a sudden the three or four that we're feeding are all now looking one direction. And so now you can start looking that direction, and what are they looking at? And I spot a lot of game that way of just watching the other critter spot game for me. You know, I would say. As people out there that are, what's the sheep hunting gig all about? It's 
it's kind of interesting. There's some people that go on a sheep hunt and they'll never go again, right? They're like, that's crazy. That's nuts. It's not for me. Never doing that again. It was not fun. Other people go on a sheep hunt and they pretty much give up fishing, Patrick. They pretty much give up <laughs> waterfowling and big game hunting. They just go sheep hunting. Right. Yeah, you're not going to get me to give up fishing, but that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, awesome. I'm glad we got to hear about the trip. I, I know we uh, we missed having you around, but it's good that you were able to get up there and have a successful hunt too. I mean, like you said, it's it's one thing to go on it, but it's really cool when you actually get the harvest. So it's really awesome. Yeah, I got my AMs and PMs mixed up that last day, and I was I'll like, bet. yeah, I got to, I got to, I'm flying out, you know, PM on Wednesday. Drop me off. Wednesday morning and we'll be good. No, I flew out Wednesday AM and you know, we were off goofing around chasing caribou and I think we were actually out to eating sushi and just having fun. <laughs> I was like when I realized that hey, I need to get on a plane and get out of here. So that was a that was a pretty expensive snafu. Don't don't miss your flight home. Yeah. Well we'll come back again and we'll talk about elk hunting because I know you went and did a bunch of that too, so we'll we'll get together and talk about elk hunting but just wanted to remind everybody go back and uh, check out some of our older episodes you can go to radcastoutdoors.com you can get this podcast anywhere you get your podcasts Um, we have it on spotify apple podcasts a number of different places so make sure to check it out also it really really helps us out if you like it subscribe to it review it that's huge for david and i and if you want to look really awesome you can get a radcast hat at radcastoutdoors.com also check out our recipes i just put a new one out there this week Uh, there's one out there for salmon smoked salmon and trout dip and i'll tell you what man that stuff is delicious and when i make it david i make a huge bowl at the house and guess what it's gone it gets destroyed my kids love that stuff one of my favorite things to do is very similar to your recipe it'll make a big salad bowl of it a Mm -hmm. big one if you're going to some sort of, and now that we're, we're getting over and we're going to start having social gatherings again, yeah, that's going to start happening, <laughs> you know, start thinking about maybe a, a Thanksgiving trip with the family somewhere, you show up with that and it's, oh, man. it's, it's easy to prepare. Yes, it's a little bit difficult to get the salmon, get the smoke, but once you put it together, put it in the fridge, it's always better the day after I make it anyways. Oh, yeah. That's why I tell people you make it the day before you actually want to have it. It's kind of like a soup. You you want to make it the day before, then warm it up and serve it, you know, like with the soup. But, oh, man, you guys have got to get out there and try that recipe because it is absolutely phenomenal. Anyway, thanks again, everybody. Um, yeah, thanks for checking in. Patrick will put some pictures up of a, heck yes. of a ram. So. And beautiful sunset. David's got a couple of shots that I'm definitely going to put in the show notes. So. Until next time, uh, we'll come back with more content.